Welcome to Feeding the Flock and our expositions through the book of Ephesians. We are currently in chapter 6 at verse 5. Hi, I'm Glendale Tony. I'm glad you joined me today for this Bible study. Let's begin reading, why don't we, in verse 5 of chapter 6 of the book of Ephesians, where Paul writes this. Slaves, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in the sincerity of your heart, as to Christ, not by way of eye service as men-pleasers, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. With good will render service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good thing each one does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether slave or free. And masters, do the same things to them, and give up threatening, knowing that both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no partiality with him. So we continue on in chapter 6 of the book of Ephesians with this, uh, uh, in many ways, uh, this is the last paragraph of a, of a subject that uh, started much, much earlier, of course, and uh, we have basically divided the entire book of Ephesians up into two main categories. That is, the first three chapters are primarily doctrinal. That is, it's instructional, it's educational. Um, and then uh, chapters four, five, and six, generally speaking, are the more practical. This is the application part. This is the, the behavior uh, part of things. Uh, the action, you might say, that is to be taken based upon uh, who we are in Christ. And uh, then um, aside from that particular breakdown, we have a, a three-part breakdown as well, and that is our position is in Christ uh, is uh, uh, located in the first three chapters, and then our life in the world began in chapter 4, verses one, verse 1, uh, excuse me, all the way through chapter 6, verse 9, and that has to do with our walk. Now in verse 6, uh, that is verse 10 of chapter 6, um, uh, is the attitude toward the enemy. And that is uh, still yet coming in further episodes. But today, we're going to finish up the context of our life in the world. And this has to do with our walk. And as we have explained before, that includes our worthy walk. And that's the first 16 verses of chapter 4. And then the different walk, that's verses 17 through 32 of chapter 4. And then um, the loving walk uh, is uh, explained in verses 1 through 14 of chapter 5. And something called the wise walk, walking wisely, uh, began in verse 15 of chapter 5 and goes all the way through chapter 6, verse 9. So it spans across uh, that chapter division. And as we have said before, and in, uh, in other episodes and, and in other occasions, that it's, it's sometimes a hindrance, uh, the way that uh, uh, those who devise these chapter divisions and even the verse divisions uh, were not necessarily inspired by God, although they may have been uh, guided by uh, by some uh, good scholarship of the day. But uh, in many regards, it, 
those breakdowns sometimes hinder us from seeing the entire context of things. And this is one of those occasions. Because in the wise walk, he began by talking about being careful how you walk. And that's verses 15 and 17 of uh, chapter 5. Then verse 18 talks about being filled with the Holy Spirit. And in many regards, you can actually see the context beginning there that this is part of what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that includes these evidences of being filled. And what are those evidences? Well, they're not necessarily the things you might think they are or the impressions that you've gotten from uh, some Christian movements and some Christian worship services uh, that, uh, yes, it includes being filled with the Holy Spirit, includes speaking and singing and worship and as well giving thanks Um but it also includes submitting, and that is uh, deferring to those who are your superiors, either by virtue of age, but in this case, by virtue of their status in the social circles in which you, uh, in which you navigate your life on this earth. And uh, that includes wives and husbands. That's verses uh, 22 through 33 of chapter 5. And then verses 1 through 4 of chapter 6 uh, has to do with children and parents. And then uh, verses 5 through 9, which is the passage we just finished reading, that has to do with slaves and masters. Now, what you might not catch right away, especially if you are accustomed to just reading paragraphs by paragraphs and not making those connections, then you will uh, readily see that in many regards, this paragraph here reflects the family. In, uh, in other words, it reflects the household, and uh, that includes marriage and family with children as well as the household servants, and that seems to be the pattern here. So it is not uh, necessarily associated with some of the uh, uh, some of the things we have seen, the brutality and the ugliness of uh, the institution of slavery, but rather this is something else in the New Testament environment. And yes, there may have been some abuse, and yes, there may have been uh, some things that are unchristian, and in fact, uh, that's the reason why there's a balance here in verse 9 addressing the masters directly. Uh, because uh, the slaves are addressed first, and then the masters are addressed in order to balance out everything else that's going on. So the uh, the slaves of that day, and in the first century Judaism primarily, but e even in other places, were, were household servants. As many of them found themselves in that position because of uh, indebtedness, and that was their way of paying off their indebtedness to uh, somebody else, is by serving them, and by, by entering into their household and um, becoming the slaves of that household. So... Um, so we do need to take it in its own historical setting, in its own historical context, you might say, and not be too readily uh, uh, offended by, by the use of the terminology that to us connotates all sorts of brutality and ugliness and sin and uh, all the things that might have come with it in uh, in other s forms of uh, s social structures. What, but here... 
Uh, in fact, you can find a parallel passage in Colossians chapter 3, verse 22 through uh, chapter 4, verse 1. And again, that passage uh, spans across that chapter division. Uh, if you get the entire flow of the passage, it goes all the way through verse 1 of chapter 4. Uh, even though it began in chapter 3, verse 22. Uh, also, there's another parallel passage in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 18 through 20. And the term that's used here is the term doulos in the Greek. It's a stronger, more technical term than the general word for for servant, which is uh, diakonos. And if you recognize that Greek word uh, from our own uh, um, English terminology called deacon, uh, then uh, you will know that, that that term is a softer term. It more likely refers to the character of the person, regardless of the social status or the social structure of the day. It just characterized the person. They were a servant by nature of their own character. Uh, but uh, here the word doulos is a more technical term, and that means that this person does have a boss. And in many regards, uh, that's the reason why I believe the Holy Spirit has inspired Paul and the other authors in the parallel passage, um, especially the other one in Peter, uh, that the Holy Spirit has inspired these passages so that we have a, a glimpse into um, our responsibilities, even in society, uh, regardless of where we live, of what our responsibilities are and to reflect Christ in those areas of service, those areas of family, those areas of marriage, and um, all of it is encompassed in this entire passage. And um, that, that term here, doulos, means there is a boss. And, and so you can apply this same, um, these same instructions, these same, uh, these same principles in the, uh, in the context of perhaps our own um, uh, employee, employer kind of uh, structure, uh, even though uh, um, uh, we may not use the term slaves and masters, but yet we still do have jobs for the most part, and we answer to a boss for the most part, unless you're self-employed. Then you then you really do have a, a complicated life because you have to become your own boss and then you have to become your own master and you have to submit to your own master, uh, which is yourself. But uh, that, that uh, uh, needs to be applied uh, regardless. And uh, uh, that is a real challenge for some. But uh, here it says, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh. That means if you are a believer in Christ and you are serving someone else in a job situation, someone else is your master, someone else is your employer, someone else has hired you to do a job, then you should do that job not just because you're hired to do it and not just because you're being paid to do it uh, and not just because you have a boss, but rather because uh, because this is the realm in which you live and you should reflect the character of Christ in that realm and that's what he's getting to here uh, be obedient to your own to your masters according to the flesh and um, 
uh, notice it, it doesn't mean that your masters are in control of your spiritual life. It means that you, uh, as far as your your uh, your earthly uh, existence is concerned and your job is concerned, you still need to recognize that they have a role to play over you, and that includes a certain responsibility on your part to fulfill your role to them. And that's exactly what Peter is saying. It doesn't necessarily mean that you just walk off the job the minute you become a Christian. In fact, uh, uh, there are some other things, uh, other passages that that uh, talk about that responsibility, like 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 20 through 24. It says, each man must remain in that condition in which he was called. Were you called while a slave? Do not worry about it. But if you are able also to become free, rather do that. For he who was called in the Lord while a slave is the Lord's freeman. Uh, Likewise, he who is called while free is Christ's slave. You were bought with a price. Do not become slaves of men. Brethren, each one is to remain with God in that condition in which he was called. So in many regards, the idea of becoming a Christian doesn't necessarily change your uh, earthly life in terms of the status or the place in which you hold in life. If you're able to change it, fine. But what... uh, what Paul is getting at in the Corinthian passage and what he is implying here in uh, this passage as well is that, uh, that you still have a responsibility in this life to do the things that you are called to do uh, in response to the role you are to play out. And, uh, and in fact, in that culture... Um, uh, the uh, the slaves and masters are all a part of the same household anyway. And in some regards, as far as the church is concerned, a slave or a servant could have actually become an elder because of his seniority in the church, and whereas uh, his own master in the flesh may have actually just merely barely become a new believer in Christ in the in the congregation in which he is an elder. So it makes things complicated. We're going to take a break right after that and we'll be back. continuing on with our instructions to those who are employees or who are uh, hired help, you might say, and uh, uh, their responsibilities to their bosses. And uh, that's what we're getting at here. It says, according to the flesh, with fear and trembling in verse five in the middle there, in the sincerity of your heart as to Christ. So this has to do with your own respect not necessarily your respect for your boss as a person or as a as a, a in terms of their own personal life but in respect to their position as your employer and as your boss 
And so it says, and in many regards, we've uh, the reason why these terms sound so unfamiliar. And in fact, um, uh, many believers may just reject the terminology because it's offensive to them. Uh, that is, with fear and trembling. Well, I I don't fear and tremble anybody, according to the American tradition, because we are all equal and we all vote equally, and that's true. And we all uh, have uh, equal access to the law and uh, all of those things. And so we are very, very attuned to any inequities or unequal kind of uh, arrangements, and uh, we're very sensitive to that kind of thing. And so when we come across the fact that we're supposed to be uh, acting with fear and trembling toward uh, our bosses, uh, we kind of uh, chafe at that. And even though it does reflect something of the value of our character in the position we're in compared to the position they are in over us as our authority. And uh, so the Bible doesn't hedge on that Uh, per se. It says, in the sincerity of heart as to Christ. Notice this has very little to do with the nature of the boss himself or herself. It has to do with your nature, your position with Christ. And that's where the fear and trembling comes in, not because the boss uh, is uh, is so much superior to you that you can't even uh, stand up straight in, uh, in his presence or her presence, but rather that you are serving Christ in this job, and therefore by serving Christ, you have fear and trembling toward him in the sincerity of your heart. That word sincerity um, means singleness or, or a committedness, or um, it's translated actually in, in some other passages as liberality in uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 8, as well as 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 2, and also 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 11 and 13. It's translated as liberality. And um, that has to do with the singleness of commitment. And that's what's involved here as to Christ. And again, he qualifies it with other uh, negative uh, qualifiers. Qualifiers. It says, uh, not by way of eye service as men pleasers. So we're not doing our job in order to satisfy our boss necessarily, um, even though uh, there may be demands upon us that we do need to meet. Otherwise, we're not doing our job well. But um, we need to know that our main motivation isn't the boss himself or the job itself. The main motivation is that our job, our work is committed to Christ. And so we do that work uh, not in order to impress the boss or in order to impress the others around us um, or to satisfy the mediocrity of, uh, of peer group in a job situation. None of those things are our motivation. Rather, it is the service of Christ. And so it comes from the heart. It doesn't come from, from uh, doing things just because someone is watching us or just because someone is evaluating us and is going to evaluate us again at the end of this pay period. Uh, so we don't do it by way of eye service as men pleasers, but as slaves of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. Notice that this work that we do with our hands or our minds or whatever work we are are doing, these uh, these things are done 
as work because it's the will of God. If you want to know the will of God, here is the will of God for you. And uh, some people uh, shy away from that. Some people don't think this is spiritual. And yet it is just as much spiritual because it's part of being filled with the Holy Spirit uh, all the way back in chapter 5, verse 18. This is part of the evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit. So we have to rely upon the Holy Spirit to do his work in us so that we can do the work he's called us to do, even in the flesh kind of work. And uh, that means the, that work we do in order to sustain our families and our uh, our income and uh, uh, bring in money, and uh, and yet that's that's part of our our uh, uh, work that we do is the will of God from the heart, and um, uh, there are other passages as well that that it says in Titus chapter two verses nine and ten it says. Uh, urge uh, bond slaves to be subject to their own masters and everything to be well pleasing, not argumentative, uh, uh, pilfering, but showing all good faith, so that they will adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior, in every respect. So that uh, the way you do your job is is a reflection of. Uh, you're serving Christ and of the doctrine of God. That's a very fascinating uh, piece of value that he gives to actual work. First uh, Peter chapter 2, verses 18 and 19, servants be submissive to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and gentle, but also to those who are unreasonable. For this finds favor if for the sake of conscience toward God, a person bears up under sorrows when suffering unjustly. So um, the authors of the New Testament understood that there were uh, going to be unidealistic uh, kind of situation. Uh, some things uh, may be difficult to do, but we are to reflect that character of Christ. That's the will of God from the heart. With good will, it says in verse 7 of uh, back in Ephesians chapter 6, it says, uh, with good will render service as to the Lord and not to men. Again, we are not uh, set about to um, merely please uh, our boss or merely please our fellow workers with our work. We are to do our work as pleasing to the Lord, as those things we are doing for the Lord, to the Lord, as if he's watching us do our work, even if the boss isn't watching us, and even if uh, uh, the people around us aren't watching us. We're still doing it for the Lord because he is our main master, and not to men. Verse 8, knowing that whatever good thing each one does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether slave or free. So there is a judge, there is a master, and we render service. In fact, work is an honorable thing, even though uh, uh, some people have avoided it, and some people have avoided it for a long, long time. But uh, Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, and I want you to notice the context of this verse, is before the fall. This is before sin entered into the human family and made work more laborious and more difficult. Yet, yet, in uh, Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, before the fall and before sin and before rebellion entered into the human existence, it says there, uh, then the Lord took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to cultivate it and keep it. So work was a part of the original creation, even before sin, even before the fall of Adam and Eve, 
there was work, and uh, God honored work with fruitfulness. Now, that work has now taken on a little bit of a different uh, pressure and a little different stress because of the curse that came along later in chapter 3 of Genesis. But um, but uh, uh, the, the Apostle Paul here in this passage wants us to know that uh, if we are doing what we are doing to the Lord and for the Lord's sake and with the quality of work and the expertise dedicated to him and uh, the result dedicated to him, this uh, he will receive back from the Lord, whether slave or free. You see, there is going to be a, a, a rectifying day in which all of our good work will be acknowledged by the Lord himself, by our supreme master in heaven, he will acknowledge the work that we truly accomplished. Even though our bosses may not have recognized it, the company may not have recognized it, our fellow workers may not have even seen it, but it is done to the Lord and he will recognize it in that future day. That doesn't mean that uh, Paul is laying out uh, salvation by, uh, by works. But uh, he is actually laying out the good works for which we were saved. And uh, because, uh, again, the context goes all the way back to uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9 says very clearly, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. But if you notice, there is a verse 10 in Ephesians chapter 2 that follows that particular sentence. And it says in verse 10, uh, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. So the work we do with our hands, the work we do with our minds and uh, are carried out perhaps with our hands, that work that we do honors the Lord. And whether we're slave or free, regardless of who's paying us or who's not paying us, or whether we're obligated or not obligated uh, by our social status, it doesn't matter because the Lord is seeing these things and he will reward them accordingly. Not because of, uh, of we're earning salvation, but because of salvation by grace through faith, we are living changed lives, and that change includes being filled with the Spirit of God to do the good work of good works. And uh, that's what's going on here. Uh, regardless of your social status, it should be quality work done to the Lord. And then he turns around and addresses the masters because he's not done yet until he gets to the masters. Just, uh, just as he um, uh, addressed both wives and husbands and children and parents, now he addressed employees and their employers here in verse 9. And masters do the same things to them. That means masters, you are to carry out your role. If you're a believing uh, employer, you're a believing boss, you're a believing supervisor or a, a believing uh, uh, business owner, and uh, you are walking with Christ, then you should do your job as a sincerity of your heart, by the will of God, from the heart. Uh, render your work as goodwill, render service, and uh, you will receive back w uh, from the Lord eventually, whether you are slave or free. And that's exactly what he wants to remind the masters about. 
do the same things to them and give up threatening. Don't be an abusive master. That's what he says here, knowing that both their master and yours is in heaven. So that uh, uh, Paul wants the believing bosses to understand that the believers underneath them also have a responsibility and so do they as their bosses. Uh, James chapter 5 verse verse 4 says, Behold, the pay of the laborers who mowed your fields, which has been withheld by you, cries out against you. And the outcry of those uh, who did the harvesting has reached the ears of the Lord of the Sabaoth. And so, so you see, um, uh, the authors of the New Testament understood that we have a greater boss and our masters should understand our greater boss that looks down on from on us from heaven and he will reward according to his own uh, justice you might say and uh, that means uh, pay as well as the amount of money we make because of what we do and, and because we have a master in heaven and there is no partiality with him he doesn't see your social status he doesn't see the fact that you own a business or that you're working for someone who owns the business he doesn't see any of those things he sees the work that you do that honors him those are the things that catch his attention not your status not your labels not where your office is located uh, in the building or the nameplate on your door. He sees your heart. He sees the work that you do and he uh, notices what you do for him. Father, thank you for these words of encouragement, for instruction, for rebuke, and for uh, acknowledgement that we have a responsibility to you to live our lives out on this earth, to honor you, with the work that we do in your name's sake. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I hope you enjoyed our presentation today. This is Glendale Tony. Join us again for the next episode of Feeding the Flock.